Listeners, it's Sam here again, and just the usual shout out for our brilliant sponsors before this week's show. Paces Ahead have courses for the start of 2024, and listeners, here's a possible sweetener for you. I will be there at their first course of 2024. That's the 16th to the 19th of January. Please do come along and say hi if you catch me. It would be great to meet some of you if you're there. But there is also a course the following week from the 20th to the 23rd of January for those of you sitting in the first diet of 2024. Not only that, but they also have courses lined up for May as well. The 20th to the 23rd of May and the 28th to the 31st of May. I highly recommend booking on early to avoid disappointment. They very regularly get oversubscribed. If you can't make a course though, past tests have got you covered with their market-leading online revision paces resource. I think most pacer sitters would agree this is more or less essential to have to complement your ward-based preparation. So to get access, just click any of the links in the show notes labelled past test. But enough on that for now, let's get started on this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the Pre-Paces podcast. My name's Dr Jenny Goff and this week we're doing something a little bit different. I've got Sam Williams, who is your usual host here with me, and we're actually going to interview Sam today. Good morning, Sam. Good morning, Jen. Thank you for having me on the (laughs) podcast. No problem at all. Thank you for letting me take over your podcast. We were saying before the record, Jen, I feel like I've handed you my my baby. Yes, I feel uh, very honoured, <laughs> um, trusted uh, with this task. It's very kind of you. Um, so yes, I, I've done a few of the podcasts before with you historically and I've always really enjoyed it. So it's a pleasure to be back today. So I think we, we thought we would do, we would interview you today, um, given that you interview lots of uh, uh, doctors and things as part of your normal podcast setup. We thought we'd turn the tables and ask you lots of questions. So I've got a few questions to ask you and I thought I'd split it into sort of more podcast themed ones. And then there are some, uh, not not too personal, but some sort of personal questions about your life, etc. So we can get to know you a little bit better and the listeners can get to know their podcast hosts a little bit better if that's okay with you. Yeah, sounds good, Jen. And we should probably give this full disclosure to the listeners that I've glanced at some of these questions, but not all of them yes so you gave you gave me a taste a flavor of what what you were gonna ask but uh not all of them and we should also say that uh you are on your night shifts at the moment yeah i'm post nights right now post nights it's 11 25 and just come back from your night shift and very bravely have volunteered to do an interview <laughs> um, on behalf of your podcast. this is the commitment that i have Exactly. To producing content. Very commendable. Great. <laughs> um, so maybe maybe we'll just start by, I don't know how much your listeners actually know. Can you give us a rundown of your training or what, what year of training you are, where you work, what your specialty is, what your interests are? Yep. So 
regular listeners will know that I'm a uh, cardiology registrar in the seven deanery, uh, and I have just started my ST5 year now. So um, I was one of the last uh, ST3 specialty registrar. So I'm in my third year of registrar training, and I've moved uh, moved around a lot since I started my ST3. I was in Cornwall for a year, but now I'm back in the seven deanery. And I just think cardiology is the best specialty. And that might come across in the uh, slightly biased uh, opinions that some of the listeners hear in the podcast. But uh, I think it's one of the best things I've ever done to go into cardiology training. So I'm really, really happy. And Jen, we should also say that you are now in the cardiology club as well. You have now taken up a cardiology training post too. So I think all the listeners should give you a big round of applause for that as well. Thank you. That's very kind. Um, yes, I have. I just started in Wessex, so I'm an ST4, but I'm the old, the new, sorry, the new system of the IMT3 ST4. So I'm very baby, baby junior at the moment. But it's, um, I would agree with you in your summation that it's the best specialty. Two very biased um, presenters, unfortunately, today. And do you have a specialist uh, or something you want to specialise in? Have you thought about that yet? Uh, so I, I've got an interest in. Uh, devices imaging and inherited cardiology and if you want to go even more specific then sports cardiology is is the area that i'm interested in but anything devices or uh or or imaging i'm very happy to uh talk at length about fine and then you haven't specifically because obviously those are two individual specialties you haven't decided yet which of the two is your one no, not yet. It'll be yeah, subspecialty choices are next year. But I think ST five is usually the, or in old money is the year that most people try and get a fellowship or research post somewhere. So I think that's probably what I'll be trying to aim for come August of twenty twenty four. Oh, interesting. So a year out of training to do a little bit of um, something different, something extra. Yeah, that's the that's the plan. That's the plan before you enter the 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 path to cct which is approaching much uh, faster than i ever had anticipated yes <laughs> i mean st5 already is uh it's not to be sniffed at sam that two years have just flown by haven't they it's ter- terrifying so that's your kind of uh, job role and what you're looking forward to doing in the next couple of years i'm going to talk about the podcast a little bit now unless there's anything else you want to talk about in terms of work-wise but um i thought we'd ask you because to be honest it's a it's a quite an interesting thing that you've done you've set up your own podcast you've you've done it all from scratch you did it all yourself and you've actually done it for how long now at the time of recording it's been i think two years and nine months and and as that timeline shows doing it through your training and through your application to being a cardiology registrar etc i feel like it's quite a trendy thing to do um and i wondered if you had any tips for anybody that might be thinking about setting up their own podcast yeah Sure. So I think the first thing to say with any and and a few people have asked me have asked me that question, especially people who I've met at work, you know, people who've listened to the podcast or found it interesting have asked about how how would they go about setting it up themselves or what or what advice I'd give to someone who wanted to start podcasting. I think the the first thing I'd say is that you have to you have to enjoy whatever you're talking about. I know that sounds sort of obvious, but some people might expect to podcast with the idea of making money 
or the idea of you know doing something which isn't just doing it because you enjoy it i think in a similar way to how you might choose your medical specialty you have to enjoy it if you're gonna pursue it and go through with it because otherwise what's the point really <laughs> if, if you don't enjoy it then what's the point and i do in, and i enjoy talking about medicine and particularly paces i although it's a you know flawed exam we know it is it's still so interesting to you know talk through such a wide and varied range of topics with with the guests that I managed to get on i think or the other bit of advice that i would give is be prepared for a significant investment of your time in trying to produce it because i don't know if you were going to ask about this later gem but it is a significant time investment and it's not something which you can just sort of you know magic up overnight and i think some podcasts do do that but i think the production value in in producing something which is well thought out and well planned i think particularly because mine is educational it's quite easy to think of or you know it's, it's quite easy to provide value because it's educational i think it's much harder in for example like the entertainment sector where there's a just a super saturated market where you you can struggle to find your niche i think the only other bit of advice i would say is is that um consistency is everything and trying to build uh, an audience who are going to listen to your podcast is best done when the audience know when they're going to expect a new episode and so hopefully regular listeners will know that the episodes go out every fortnight on a Sunday. I think if you're do whether you're doing it weekly or fortnightly or monthly, it's important just to make that regular so that the listeners know when to when to expect a new episode. And I think that is really important just to make sure that you're you're growing your audience because then they'll keep coming back and hopefully continuing to listen. Definitely, and I think if anyone who's ever done any teaching will um, attest to is that actually when you start researching these topics, even topics that you think, oh, I know this inside out, back to front, upside down, when you actually start talking about it, you realise that you need to do a lot of research into it in order to talk about it um, professionally uh, to somebody else. So I think the amount of preparation that it takes to produce these episodes shouldn't be um, sniffed at at all. Can you give us a rough idea? How, how far in advance do you record? So, uh, so that varies a lot. Um, and the reason it varies is basically because, as you mentioned, I'm doing this basically whilst I'm working full time. I'm not working less than full time. I'm, I'm on a 100% rotor, which, as you, <laughs> as we know, includes these night shifts, which I've just come back from. And what it means is I have to record basically in mostly evenings and weekends or either on zero days like like today, although it's not a zero day on between shifts. But it means that where some points in the road where I've got more zero days or I've taken leave for other reasons, then I'm able to record more. And then that might mean that I have four or five episodes in the bank. So I've got maybe a couple of months worth of episodes. But sometimes, as has happened more recently, it's been more difficult to find guests. And also the guests that I have found have sometimes had to cancel at short notice for other reasons or... Uh, they've you know everyone's extremely busy in the current climate they've all got their own commitments so um trying to find people willing to give up some time to come on the podcast is 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 sometimes tricky and in those situations sometimes um it's it's not that far in advance and i think the closest i've ever got to not having an episode to put out i recorded something on uh, a friday afternoon to go out on the uh, sunday evening so it has sometimes been you know, pretty tight to, to record an episode to to put out. 
Absolutely. And how, how long does it take you to how long does it take you to edit the? Uh, so that is directly proportional to the length of the episode. What I figured out is that for each uh, approximately each fifteen to twenty minutes of content, it takes about an hour of editing to to do that. But that also does depend on how flowing the conversation is and how much there is to cut out. And some some guests have more, you know, fillers. And, and there's lots of ums, ahs, or, you know, odd words that people have as sort of little ticks in their speech that uh, fill fill speech gaps. And if there's more of those, then there's more to cut out. So if, if for example, an hour long, uh, there's an hour long recording, most of the time that will take about three hours of editing. Gosh, it's a long time. Yes. And I imagine uh, when people's dogs bark when you're trying to record as well, that uh, takes more time Yeah, but to that edit. makes great content for the uh, Christmas bloopers episode. So uh, <laughs> I honestly don't mind. Good. Fine. Uh, brilliant. So how many episodes have you actually done? Well, Do you know? <laughs> this, this episode will go out when I've recorded... Hold on. This episode will go out when I'll have recorded... Uh, either 75 or 76 episodes so that's the plan but as as we've alluded to we're recording in in advance (laughs) of the uh of the date itself and is there a plan for a hundredth episode or am i being cheeky oh i don't know if there's going to be a a special hundredth episode i think i'm just happy to to continue producing them i'll be amazed if i get to 100 i think that'd be awesome but uh i i don't have any special plans as of yet but you know never know watch this space it might be something really special do, do you have any up-and-coming podcasts that you're excited about or any guests that you're getting on that you could tease us with for the future uh, honestly not really because uh it's true i'm trying i there are some people who have wanted to get on the podcast for a long time that I'm desperately trying to get on after Christmas, but as I've said, oh, it's really okay. sometimes really hard, especially <laughs> with the type of people who are trying to get on that are consultants in the NHS who are busy enough anyway to get them mm-hmm. to have a free slot in their calendar for an hour or, or longer is, is really tough. But I obviously try my best to get the, the highest quality guests on for our fantastic listeners, but it's uh it's it's very uh, touch and go sometimes with with getting guests on, but um, I'm hoping 2024 will bring some awesome guests for the for the uh, for the listeners. Just talking about guests, have you had anybody on the podcast that you felt was particularly interesting or somebody that you really enjoyed interviewing? You don't have to necessarily name names, but any anybody that uh, any episode that you particularly yeah, enjoyed that's a recording. Great question, Jen. And um, this was one which you did give me in advance, so I have had some time to think to think about it. And I thought the di- the diplomatic answer is to say, well, I love recording all of my episodes because all of my guests are fantastic. Yeah. And I honestly think, uh, well, tr- honestly, oh, I love speaking to people who I've got on who are my friends or either my friends like like you are, Jen, or my former colleagues who I've worked with because it's a great opportunity to catch up with people who I've worked with before. Um, there, but a couple of them do stand out and I chose these for a couple of different reasons. The, the first one, which I really enjoyed recording, was relatively early on and it was the episode um, on hypertension with uh, Dr. Angus Nightingale, uh, who's a consultant cardiologist at the Bristol Heart Institute. And I'd worked with Angus before, but this was the first episode where 
essentially i i basically didn't have to do any editing whatsoever because he was just the way he was speaking on this topic was so fluent and it was probably the first time that i listened to an episode and i just thought the way that he's speaking was just just so fluent and i couldn't i I didn't have to edit anything it was amazing and the other episode which i really enjoyed recording was the um med reg episode on calling gastro out of hours with um dr ajay verma and the reason i love that episode is because it gave me the opportunity to ask all the uh, seemingly stupid personal questions that i wanted answered for me with the management of acute gastro patients um and so it gave me an opportunity to ask that without feeling uh you know self-conscious about asking a gastroenterologist that i actually had to work with so it, it alleviated some of my uh management anxiety of of managing acute gastro patients out of hours so yeah, those were a couple that sort of stood out stood out for me. Yes, I love that. Brilliant. So, yeah, I don't want to know this. I, I, I know the answer to this question, obviously. Uh, it's just my, you know, the people listening to the podcast might <laughs> want to, want to know. <laughs> um, no, that's great because I, I guess as well, yeah, the podcast, making the podcast, is it beneficial for you in terms of your own revision and meeting new people and things like that? Have you found that actually it's helped your medical yeah, practice I, I definitely think it's it's benefited me i think especially the the episodes which really helped me are the ones uh where the other other being a med reg episodes the ones where it's sort of maybe more clinically applicable i mean obviously i've did mm-hmm. my paces longer ago than i'd care to uh, remember but um the the being a med reg episodes even even for me are really a really valuable I was always, as I said, I was always really anxious about particularly managing upper GI bleeds, which is why that episode was so uh, so helpful for me. And the other one, which I absolutely loved, which has um, made me so much more confident, is the um, uh, calling stroke episode. Or the ep- there were two episodes because it covered both thrombolysis and thrombectomy. But I do not think I would have been as confident in managing those situations on call if I hadn't done that. So definitely has benefited my practice in that way in terms of networking it has helped me connect with you know like-minded people who want to just educate educate this cohort of listeners and uh, training doctors and so there have been you know connections made and i've been able to for example i was able to teach on the paces ahead course uh, which i wouldn't have been able to do if they didn't support the podcast and that was a great experience so so yeah just just as an example that was one way where i you know i i gained a valuable experience from from the podcast which i wouldn't have got otherwise I've recently moved to well moved to Poole in um, near Bournemouth, and I was just just thinking actually I'm I'm driving back this evening because I uh, live uh, a little bit north of Bristol, but I was uh, thinking I'm going to download some of these podcasts, <laughs> have another listen to them because <laughs> they are really good. Um, but I was going to try and find that gastro one because I think that sounds um, yeah the gas the gastro one really was one of my favourites, and that I think was one of the quite early ones one of the quite early ones mm-hmm. of the being a med reg and but that also was the the first one where i thought right i really need to <laughs> i i need to pack in every single question to uh alleviate my own anxieties of managing gastro patients episode 47 there you go and i've also noticed that you've got one of my heroes of the podcast world dr amy burbridge on your um podcast 
because she does uh sorry you don't have to necessarily include this in your podcast but she does um a really good podcast as well yeah i love i love the home of medicine i think that's absolutely great i think yeah and and, and i've got no qualms with plugging home of medicine i think that's an amazing <laughs> podcast in fact i i actually maybe going back to one of your earlier questions i did email amy recently asking if she wanted to come back on so hopefully she'll manage to find some time to to come back on and discuss something else to do with uh, paces or just something clinical i mean she must be a busy a busy lady now with everything <laughs> fine um and the only the only other thing i want well there are a few other things i wanted to ask but but one other thing i was really uh, wanted to know is do you get recognize do people recognize your voice when you're working and say oh you're the chap from the pre-paces podcast so i have done a couple of times but i wouldn't say it's very uh, regular but definitely when i moved when i have moved workplaces before um, people have approached me and said that they've either listened to the podcast or helped them revise yeah when i when i moved to my most recent trust i was at handover and the uh, the new ST4 Reg who was handing over to me has said when we introduced ourselves to each other, he was like, "Hey, you're the you're the guy from the podcast." And uh, I was sort of like, "Yeah." And he said, "Love your work. Thanks for doing it." And that was really that was really sweet. And actually, another guest that we had on the show who was Manny Amaya, who came on the show to talk about the IMT, the new IMT application. Uh, process which i can't remember when that was but that was a, a while back i think that was last year october of 2022 when manny met me for the first time she uh she <laughs> she said she didn't want to talk to me for a short period of time when we first met because she didn't want to uh mention the podcast but then you know she did in the end but that was so so sweet of her to to you know be self-conscious about talking to me but you know it's i don't i don't buy and i'm always happy to talk about the podcast but i'm i hope that i'm not one of those people that you know mentions it at the drop of a hat i don't tend to sort of talk about it too much at work i hope (laughs) i have to say sometimes people ask me about it as well um usually not random no way yeah that's crazy just people i've worked with for a bit and then they go oh actually i listened to that podcast and you were on it (laughs) (laughs) it's quite nice (laughs) <laughs> it does make you feel uh feel good inside doesn't it um what's the what's the long-term vision sam are you have you got plans uh for the future do you are you going to branch out to what what's, uh, Jen, um, that's a it's a it's a constant thorn in my side thinking about i shouldn't say that i shouldn't say it's a thorn in my side it's a it's something which i'm always thinking about with the podcast is where where are, where are we going with this and how how much longer can we keep mm-hmm. it going listen i th- i think this podcast in particular has still got legs in it um i think there's plenty of topics which we haven't explored that uh, that need covering and i think the the listeners deserve for this podcast you know when it eventually ends I think there shouldn't be a, a stone unturned in terms of things which might come up in paces which the listeners can benefit from. So uh, I think there's plenty of legs in it yet. One thing which I think is going to have to that I'm going to have to think about is just making best use of my time, especially because now I have a lo- much longer commute than I did last year. Last year I only had a 10-15 minute cycle of a commute, and now I'm driving for an hour every day. So making the most of sort of free time like i am now by recording this with you is is going to be really important and just being organized with my time to keep producing episodes so yeah i think there's plenty more left in the tank and it's just a case of uh, making sure i'm organized to continue to provide the listeners with uh, 
high quality educational content. I, uh, I have faith in you. You are one of the most focused, <laughs> you know, hyper vigilant, focused people I've met. So I think if anyone can do it, it's you. That's kind, Jen. Thanks. Uh, so, so I was going to switch to talking a little bit about you as a human. Um, as a human. As a human, yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> So though you are a fabulous doctor and uh, a cardiologist, there is more to you than that. Because I know you do you do a little section at the end, don't you, where you ask the guests um, some surprising non-medical things about them. Yeah, the quiz, the consultant. That's it. So I thought I thought I'd do a similar-ish sort of thing. Um, <laughs> oh so. God! See, <laughs> listeners, this is the bit which she hasn't told me about. <laughs> um, it's nothing too bad. I, I'm not going to ask you what your favourite colour is. It's okay. Um, sorry. So I guess I was just going to ask you, first of all, what, what's your favourite hobby or extracurricular activity that you enjoy the most outside of medicine? So I have a, a couple of hobbies outside of medicine which keep me sane. The first is uh, the first is that I am a football referee, which I think I mentioned in maybe one episode. And so I do that regularly at the weekends where I referee all over the Southwest. And the other one which I which I wish I, I wish I did less of because it, it doesn't contribute much to me or, or my life. But I, I love playing online poker for, uh, for very small amounts of money. And so that's probably something that I spend more time doing uh, and it takes up a disproportionate amount of time, which I probably could spend on producing podcast content. But yeah, that's one of the things which I wish I could do uh, maybe slightly less of to produce more podcast content. But yeah, those are the main two, I think. And you're not close to winning enough to quit, quit cardiology and... Nowhere near. Absolutely nowhere near. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Maybe soon. Uh, do you play football as well as referee? I used to play football. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, when I was at university, I tore my cruciate, mm-hmm. tore my cruciate ligament. And so that was the end of my playing career. But I thought I had to keep my hand in or foot in. And so refereeing is mm-hmm. my, my connection to stay in touch with the footballing world. Brilliant. Do you have a, oh, I don't know whether to ask you this because you might cause some divide, but I was going to ask, do you have a football team that you support? I do have a team, Jen, and it's, well, it's where you're working. It's Bournemouth. No way, really? Yeah, way. I should have. Ah, do you ever come to Bournemouth to do matches? Uh, Not to do matches myself, but in the past, I used to go to games really often until I moved too far away to to travel on a Saturday. And obviously, I've got my own matches on a Saturday as well, which make Mm. it slightly tricky. But yeah, in my in my youth and when I was at university, I used to travel regularly to go to to go to Bournemouth and watch watch the mighty cherries. Why Bournemouth? Well, that's that's my near very near to my family home, so it's the closest local team that I had as a as a teenager growing up and that's the nearest club to my uh yeah to where my family home is so you don't um you didn't you weren't a uh i'm gonna annoy people by saying this but you 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 didn't sell out and just support you know the team at the top of the premier league no you don't live anywhere near support your local team support your local team and on and when there's an international break i encourage everyone go to your local non-league football and -hmm. support local football because that's that's real football in my opinion, for now, that's that's where the real football is, and where the real heart of uh, true football fan, true football fans are, is that local football. Because we did a we did a football themed project uh, sort of thing at, at one point, and I remember because I was having to Google all these leagues. I didn't. I don't understand football, as Sam um, <laughs> quickly realised. <laughs> 
I had to Google all these different leagues and I didn't understand any of it. And, and uh, my phone took this to mean that I was suddenly very interested in football. So for about a few months, I just kept getting all these like match match scores on my phone like this team this and I don't care <laughs> <laughs> all these yes, suggested ads exactly. from your phone listening yeah. to you uh, but it's realised now that you know it's not for me uh, do, do you play any sport yourself or uh, I I keep fit for refereeing by running and I do and I like to I like to run if at any point in time I have a gym membership which is not at the moment because I'm I'm doing more running now um I'll occasionally do some do some a regular workout regime, which I have an Excel spreadsheet to with all my uh, PBs. That's going to paint me as some sort of exercise nerd, poring over my Excel spreadsheet, looking at my PBs for very specific workouts. But it, it's what works for me, so that's what I'm going to keep doing. And are you going on holiday anywhere exciting soon? New travel plans? Uh, I do have family in South Africa, and mm-hmm. it's uh, my my. A uh, girlfriend has always wanted to go on a safari, yeah, so that's in the that's in the pipeline at some point. Yeah, that's a once in a lifetime trip. That that would be amazing. Has she been before? No, she's never gone. She really wants to go, to go though. So I'll ask you. We've just dis- we've discussed that we're both um, budding cardiologists and can't possibly imagine doing anything else. But if you had to choose another specialty, which medical specialty would you do and why? That's a great question, Jen. Um, I think, and this is not close by any stretch, that there's only one other specialty that I was ever interested in as much as I was interested in cardiology. And when I did this specialty, it turned my head uh, in a serious way in that I thought, oh, I might actually give up on the dream that I wanted to do, or, you know, I wanted to do cardiology since I was an F1. Um, and that was when I did intensive care, even though it was half of my rotation was through COVID. So I did four months of non-COVID ITU and then the first wave of COVID happened. And so I did uh, four months of COVID ICU. So I got sort of both both sides of it. And I just think it's it's very similar to cardiology in in a lot of ways. Um, it, it's quite procedural. You know, you've got opportunities to do lots of procedures and things. You're looking after very unwell patients, uh, similar to how we do in cardiology. And there's uh, you can be a bit cerebral about it. There's a lot of thinking, a lot of uh, close thought and, and attention to detail with a lot of the very small details of uh, patients in the ICU. Um, and I, I really enjoyed my time working in intensive care when i was there the only one thing which i think took me away from that is is the patient contact i didn't much like speaking to patients who are so unwell to the point where they couldn't talk and you couldn't interact with them or they were sedated and ventilated um whilst obviously i was happy to talk to relatives and families it's not quite the same when the patient isn't involved in those discussions at all and Going back to cardiology, I um, really appreciated the fact that you know you get to discuss things directly with the patients and uh, and contact with the patients is something which I didn't get from intensive care. But I definitely think that if I didn't do cardiology, it would be it would be uh, intensive care for me. That's a very good answer. I agree with a lot of the things you said. I I did also really enjoy my intensive care placement, but I felt a bit. I I did three months and I felt I barely scratched the surface. To be honest. Um, I, of all the things you could learn, I think that's um, 
a very common experience because three months is barely enough time to get a get a grip on managing ICU patients. And I was I felt really lucky, obviously not lucky because COVID happened, but lucky I got to stay in the environment and get a longer experience. And and by the end of my time there, I was I was very comfortable managing uh, managing a, you know the standard intensive care admission probably not comfortable managing the more complex ones but um, the common admissions to ICU I was I was very happy with a lot of the procedures very happy with the type of patient and the the expected trajectory of a patient through the unit I don't know if that's something you can get in three months I think you have to be there longer and see more and experience more um, and and anyone who thinks that a career in intensive care might be for them but hasn't got the experience a lot of units are very happy to you know have you for taster weeks or organize something like that for you and i i can't recommend it enough i think it's a great specialty can you do joint cardiology i i see now or not is it just renal well you keep med i think i remember seeing something somewhere that from a certain point in time i don't know even if it's this year but you could choose to accredit in icm with any group one specialty group one medical wow. specialty I mean, it must be very difficult to do all your cardiology training and well, I, your IT well, training well i think you just do a longer you you just have to extend your training if you wanted to triple a credit in gen med intensive care mm-hmm. and cardiology you'd have to do a, an extra year maybe, maybe two of training because it's not just that you, you know it's learning about you know airway management which we don't do any of in cardiology you know you'd have to learn to intubate and be a safe pair of hands from that perspective other you know really advanced procedures like tracheostomies you know learning to do that is a completely different type of procedure than angiograms or pacemakers it's so it's it's totally different but i'll have to look that up again about when that might happen because i don't know i don't know i just remember seeing that at one point that from a certain year you would be able to triple a credit or, or with any group one specialty. And then I'm going to flip the coin over and say, if if there was a medical specialty that you'd least like to be involved in, which one would it be and why? <laughs> you can't, uh, you can't ask me that. Mean. You don't have to be mean about the specialty. You can just, just that your own personal uh, attributes maybe don't suit it as much as cardiology. I mean, I'm going to upset someone by answering this question. I don't know if I truly can answer this question without offending someone. But all I can say is that in in terms of my skill set and things which don't, which uh, I I find myself much less good at. One of the things one of the things I find I'm much less good at is, or maybe it's just things like I wouldn't like to do. So I think either something like palliative care. I know it's a really brilliant specialty and they do fantastic things i think in terms of my skill set i'm just not suited to that and i would just feel sad all day every day and there is a huge sense of pride that i'm sure many palliative care doctors get from helping people die well and die in the way that they want to i think i'm too emotional and i think i'd get sad i don't know if i have the i don't know i think with cardiology you can have a i i think i have a sense of sort of emotional distance from my patients in a way i think in pal care i just get too invested and i'd end up crying all day every day you're right because you i think you do have to distance yourself a little bit don't you otherwise it does take a toll on you um no that's i don't think that's an offensive thing to say i think i think that's very reasonable 
there are lots of things I'd be useless at. God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I honestly think being a GP is so difficult because the idea of seeing a patient in 10 minutes that could be absolutely anything at all is terrifying. And I don't understand how they do it. And I think they must just work so hard. And to to make a patient feel satisfied within 10 minutes is nigh on impossible. So I think I think to be a, a GP in this day and age is is to me far more terrifying than being a medical reg. I, I actually agree with that. And what's really funny about that is that I bet there are there must be people listening who know GP trainees who are friends with them or maybe even in a relationship with or married to a GP. And I bet some of the GPs would say the exact same thing the other way around. They would say, I couldn't bear to do a med red shift, but I'm very happy taking my, you know, morning surgery and doing my 10 minute appointments. But I absolutely agree with you, Jen. I think being a GP, especially with the climate as it is at the moment is absolutely, absolutely mind boggling. So all due respect to any GP, uh, GPs or GP trainees listening, because I think it's a, it's a remarkable thing and a remarkable service they provide to communities. I just couldn't do it myself. Mm. Absolutely. I agree. I think they're, they're brilliant. And I always, I always think they're really nice to you on the phone. <laughs> I always get a lot of them to sort of apologise for ringing me. And I think it's, it's fine. You don't have to apologise. Well, well, I think Jen, you're probably busier than I am. <laughs> well, Jen, you know, I actually have thought about doing an episode on managing GP referrals as a as mm-hmm. like one of the being a medreg episodes. And I think that would be of some value but i think the the thing which i get from my gp conversations is i don't think i've ever or at least i can count on one hand for sure the number of conversations that i've had over the phone with the gp who's rung me as the medreg on call that i've come away and thought oh you know what a waste of time or that oh you know they could have managed that themselves it, and and the the really annoying thing is they're always real head scratches as well. I never find myself mm-hmm. <laughs> they're always really hard questions because you're you know by definition you're talking to someone who's an experienced uh, an experienced clinician and they're a consultant in their own specialty. Um, and so I always find those conversations number one very rewarding because the GPs are often very uh, very grateful for the advice. But I I also sometimes find it very difficult because. Um, because you're talking to someone experienced who's in a pickle and you know they've often done all the sensible things first and sometimes you can't add very much because they've already done most of it okay sam so that's just about all the time we've got for this week's show so don't forget to like and subscribe or leave a five-star review to the show wherever you get your podcasts we always love to hear from our listeners so give us a shout out on our twitter at prepaces podcast or our website if you really want to go above and beyond and support the show you can at buymeacoffee.com forward slash prepaces podcast but for now we're just about out of time thank you for listening and thank you to sam for letting me take over his podcast and we'll see you next time on the prepaces podcast